Welcome back to Built Upon a Rock Fest preview show here along the shores of beautiful Lake Superior, the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Rosary in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Pilon, on a beautiful sunny day, a beautiful sunny Saturday afternoon. Mass is going to begin at 4 o'clock at the Cathedral, with a concert to follow at 5.15. So folks, make your way down to the Cathedral. We've got a great evening planned. Everything is free, including food and um, goodies, and so... If, you do, if you're just hearing about this and you got nothing going on, come to the Cathedral Grounds tonight. We're just behind the uh, Holy Rosary School of Stalmaris campuses. And uh, people are already starting to find their spaces on the lawn. Kids are running around on the hill and on the, on the playground set. And so we've got a we got a really exciting evening uh, ahead of us. Um, right now we've got Father Kevin McGalrick. He's been a priest um, for over ten years and a musician for over thirty. Uh, Father, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Welcome to Duluth. This is awesome. First time in Minnesota. I'm First checking off a big state up here. It's when awesome. did you get in? Um, we got in last night. Okay. Yeah, like, I guess yesterday afternoon we flew up from Nashville, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. So I've never been to Minnesota. Never seen Lake Superior, and never been to Wisconsin. So I'm getting two big states, one big lake. Checking it all off the list. That's a good trip then. Yeah, it's great. Father, you've been in the music uh, business for over 30 years. Where did your love for for music come from? Um, well, I think I think my mom really, um, and I, th- I feel like I was. She taught me well, trained me to listen to the Beatles <laughs> constantly all day, and uh, we used to. She used to put the Beatles on and say, we're going to clean the house. And she just put the Beatles on and, and we just listened. And, and uh, I think that was definitely the, the beginning of my love for music. And all through the years, I did different kinds of things and cantering and singing at church and choirs and all that kind of stuff. Got into musicals in high school. And um, I would say, like playing guitar and stuff like that, the way that really started was my best friend started taking guitar lessons in freshman year in high school and he start, he came home and we hung out almost every day so he would just teach me whatever he was learning and uh, and then we right away we started playing uh, writing songs and playing out and putting bands together so through high school and college we recorded you know and played out around Philadelphia because that's where I'm from is Philadelphia so that was kind of where the guitar and all that kind of stuff started to really come so it sounds like you're your progression into professional musicianship was a very natural one. Uh, would you say? Would you say it was just kind of this slow process over the years of your life, where it just you kept honing your skills over a long period of time? There was no aha moment. Where you said, "I'm going to be a professional musician." Yeah. So definitely no aha moment. <laughs> um, I would say a little bit more of a kind of fits and starts. So uh, I'd say I'd say that ascension that ascending kind of line that you're 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 noticing was definitely true until i entered the seminary and when i entered the seminary i i got rid of all of my music all my secular music everything and i became a chant nazi <laughs> so it was like all chant all day all night um and it was it was wonderful i mean i really feel like i learned sacred music really well um but i i kept playing guitar but i still i i kind of had this kind of dub- dualism in my head and I couldn't really integrate it so it wasn't until years later that some people introduced me to some good worship music contemporary worship music started getting into that and then a number of years ago is when I started to be able to reintegrate secular music and the understanding that you know God is God is everywhere I mean God came into the world because he loves the world and he created the world out of love and he sent his son into the world to redeem the world so 
we should not be keeping secular way over here and sacred over here. The sacred is meant to go out and, and bless and sanctify the, sac- the, the secular. And once I started to see that kind of a vision, then I started to give myself permission to see what's good out in the world already. And when you think about the great evangelical movements uh, um, in history, that's what the missionaries do. The first step is to bless what's already good, what God's already doing in that culture, and, and, and find that and say, ah, that's something, that's a diamond right there. Yeah, there might be a lot of, a lot of mishaps, but we, there's a diamond there. We're going to bless that first. And that becomes a, a bridge for communication and evangelization, I think. So, so for me, that's kind of where I've been living the past number of years, trying to blend the two and create bridges. And um, So there was that time for you where your love of, of sacred music and your training in the secular music that you loved in your younger years and growing up were really battling with each other at odds. And you said that bridge wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Was there... Was there a particular thing that you'd point to that allowed that bridge to form? It sounds like you pointed to music itself um, that you had been exposed to that allowed you to start marrying those two in your mind, in your life. Yeah, I'd say um, a, a number of years ago, uh, a couple of friends of mine opened up to me to, to open up a phrase to me, and the phrase was what they called "twisted mystics." And they say the twisted mystics are those artists out in the world that, yeah, maybe their lives don't look perfect on the outside but they are creating some of the most profound beauty that is out there. And once they gave me that lens, I was able to start to see things differently. When you think about it, for example, like Mozart, Mozart for me is, is he's a great example of a twisted mystic because his, his life, he was a hot mess. Mm-hmm. But no one will disagree that what he created was divine. So somehow in the midst of this term, uh, you know, turmoil and in his life and in his heart, and his life wasn't perfect on the outside. It was, it was, again, it was a hot mess. He still was able to be touching something beautiful and divine and gifting of all of us. Well, there are twisted mystics here. I mean, in the world right now, there are artists out there who are doing that. And, and that kind of gave me the ability to say, I want to find that. I want to find that good that's out there. Those people that, maybe, again, maybe their lives don't look perfect on the outside, but mine doesn't look perfect on the outside. And it's not perfect on the inside either. So how can I bless that and find that's that's good and i to be honest with you some of these secular artists i find god speaking to me more in that in what they communicate than in some of the worship stuff that we do well what you're saying really uh rings true for me um as a musician myself and there's two there's two bands that come to mind for me as as i hear you talking here and this is not an endorsement of these bands but i think of you know that phrase twisted mystics i think of bands like mumford and sons i think of a band like 21 Pilots, mm. and uh, I see some of your influences, uh, one of the greats, g Love and Special Sauce. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the <laughs> bands that have inspired you and in, in your style of music. Yeah, well, g Love is my boy from Philadelphia, so uh, we're I guess we're about the same age, and uh, I started listening to g Love 25 years ago, and I actually just got to meet him for the first time. He came through Nashville last year, and uh, I got I got to meet him, and it was, it was really cool. Um, most recently, I would say the, the the person who's influenced me the most is John Mayer. Um, I make no bones about it. I'm a super fan. Yeah, like <laughs> super fan. That's you know that, that kind of level. You could do worse. You could do much worse. That's right. That. Yeah. You could do worse. Um, and the thing is, John Mayer, man, that guy. I can say this. I love that man's heart. He is on a journey, and the and the lyrics, the, the lyrical genius. He has a song that he just re- released this past uh, spring, called. I just, 
I just don't feel I just oh sorry I just felt like that's what it is and he's just like I just felt like and he starts opening up like what did he feel today he was really honest and vulnerable I just felt like I'm looking out in the world and like I, I heard about this thing called love but like whatever happened to that and he's being vulnerable and at the end of the song he, sa- he says basically I'm, I just felt like giving up today I'm not giving up and I have hope and I'm free and even if I go blind I'm still going to see but I, I'm just going to be honest with you all I felt like giving up today well you know what I feel like that a lot <laughs> I know what that means I know what that means to, to, to feel and so when he he's vulnerable in the lyrics it opens up vulnerability in the listener and get, when you can be vulnerable like that then it's like that's what I'm talking about man be, be human be honest with your experience don't sugarcoat it for me let me let me know you know what's going on so I could go on and on about John Mayer but Father as you as you as you share that how do you do that as a priest who's a musician and and doing stuff like this like can you share a little bit of that I think we'll probably see some of that hopefully tonight on stage and yeah that, that authenticity maybe some of that vulnerability of being able to say hey we're all broken you know yeah I mean so for me you know my my album is called Square Peg Round Hole and that's the lead track and that is definitely me um I've always been, I've never quite fit <laughs> in the way that people kind of want you to fit. And uh, and that's always been a struggle because, I mean, I think I'm, I'm melancholic by temperament as well. And so melancholics always kind of feel like you know, nobody understands me and, you know, what, do you, what am I going to do? And I've always kind of felt like that. But then there's a sense of going like, doesn't everybody feel like that? You know, everybody feels a little bit, you know, like I don't fit and people want to belong. Well, if we can know that, like, all right, we all feel a little bit awkward sometimes. We all feel like we don't fit. And let's be, that's okay. It's okay to be like that. Um, so I try to, I try to, more and more as I, as I write, I try to get more and more vulnerable and more and more honest in lyrics. Um, and not just vague struggles. Um, there's a great, you know, you guys know who John Christ is? Comedian? Yeah. Yep. He's got that great video. It's, it's like a, a thing about like signing to a Christian Christian music label. And like, all right, here here it goes, guys. The key is like vague struggles, vague struggles, and like that's the key to a hit song. And uh, and that's and they're really touching something because a lot of unfortunately, I think a lot of Christian music does do that. It's kind of like I'm struggling today, and there's rain falling. <laughs> like, well, guys, I mean, <laughs> you're not helping me, man. Like, tell me about your heartbreak. Tell me about what's going on in your family. Tell me about you know that horrible experience that you had last year that I can I, I can I might not have had the exact experience but man I know that you know what it's like to suffer I know that to our listeners out there thanks for tuning in we are here at Built Upon a Rock Fest we're doing a preview show for tonight's concert at the Cathedral Grounds um, we're here with Father Kevin McGoldrick 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 McGoldrick, yep. McGoldrick yep. Um, he's a priest out in Nashville right now and he's going to be playing on our main stage tonight or our main He's our, our main performer tonight. He'll be on from uh, 6.30 to 8 o'clock, so come on down to the Cathedral Grand, Grounds. Dana Catherine will be on before him at 5.15 um, to 6 o'clock. Father, you are now in Nashville. Can you tell us about your journey to Nashville and what, you're, what, what you do in Nashville? Yeah, so from Philadelphia, and uh, a number of years ago, I got to meet the Dominican, became friends with the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. They're from Nashville, and they run some schools down there, so... About six years ago, they invited me down to be the chaplain on the campus where that they they have. Now, people will probably be familiar with them. They're all over the world, actually, but they have um, uh, kind of their their 
home base in Nashville. And so I was chaplain at their college for four years and high school and grade school for the past two. And I'm just finishing that up. So I'm uh, about to step into uh, a new phase. And so, but I can't really <laughs> say what that is. Well, you're in an area where, you know, elite musicianship is all over the place. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, the music scene in Nashville. Tell us a little bit about what it's like doing music ministry in an area where uh, elite musicians have just rooted in their culture. It And it really is. You know, I, before going to Nashville, I would say I was pretty confident that I was usually the best guitar player in the room. Not always, but most of the time. Going to Nashville as a musician is like being the star quarterback in your high school where you think you're pretty awesome and everybody else thinks you're pretty awesome. And then you go to the pros where literally everyone was the star quarterback in their high school. And it's just intimidating at first. And uh, and I remember sitting around like, what is going on? Like the saturation of talent. But there's something that it does. Somebody gave me really good advice when I got down there. The guy, I went out to dinner with this guy and he said, listen, man, be good to your waiter because he's a way better guitar player than you are. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and he said, be good to your barista. Because she's a way better songwriter than you are, man. And there's this sense in Nashville of that. Like, it really is saturated with talent. And and there's a sense of respect f- for that. that. Like, I would say my experience meeting musicians, most musicians that I've met are pretty humble there. And nobody that I've worked with ever says, like, yeah, check me out. I'm Eddie Van Halen. It's like, no. Next guy down the line is just as good or better than me. So... It's it's a beautiful thing, and it kind of creates a nice um, nice community in Nashville. Do you bring your music to venues around the Nashville area, or are you primarily performing in churches and, and things like that? Um, I I've done a little bit in Nashville, but um, it, mostly it's traveling around the country for my stuff. It um, I think one of the things about Nashville because it is so saturated with talent, um, it's it's not easy to get gigs there. And even really famous people that live in Nashville don't play in Nashville. Mm-hmm. They, they play everywhere else, but they don't play in Nashville. Um, but that's, that's been kind of my thing. That's a really interesting yeah. point. Yeah, that's, that's a good perspective to hear about it from, from your point of view there. There's free live, live music everywhere, every day. So it's, and, they're, and they're all great. So it's, it's, it's a hard, you know, you just kind of like, yeah, I don't need to play here. There's, they got enough good people here. Father... You- can you talk a little bit about your vocational journey and when you, you know, heard the call to the priesthood and what that looked like for you? Sure, yeah. Um, so my mom was the one that taught taught the faith uh, to, to me and my family, and she always thought that I'd be a priest uh, when I was little. But the way I experienced the call was really like a toothache in the back of my head. It was this kind of thing that was lingering back there all the time, and never... It, it wasn't in the front of my head. I wasn't thinking about it all the time, but it was just kind of lingering back there. And... But I was every I was like average American kid, skateboarder, soccer player, wanted to, you know, be an astronaut and everything everything else. And when I got to high school I was like, There's no way I'm gonna be a priest. That's, I'm gonna get married, have ten kids, dog, white pick a fence. <laughs> After a couple of years of college though, I had what I would call like the beginning of my conversion where I really started to embrace my faith. I never stopped going to Mass. I always went to Mass, but the brain synapses weren't really connecting. I wasn't really living my faith. And there was a sense of, like, i got to follow Jesus. i got to do this. And once I did that, I started to do that, I should say, then this toothache thing really made itself present again. Like, And I was like, alright, well, you know what? It's been there the whole time. i got to ch- at least check it out. 
and that's when I went started going on retreats to the seminary the next thing you know I'm entering and kind of taking it one one day at a time so I entered in 95 and 2003 is when I was ordained so that's so it comes 16 years this year yeah yep were you worried that you'd have to give up being a musician if you became a priest so believe it or not I actually was uh, an actor I was studying theater before I entered seminary I'd kind of already given up music just to, to pursue that and then when I entered seminary it was just clear that I had to give I had to give that up that didn't really seem to jive and the cool thing is I, I did kind of hand music over to the Lord I, I really wasn't trying to hold on to it over the years I felt like he's given me back like here have this now here have this now here have this again like it's different now um, so I feel like the Lord has kind of given it back to me in a in a, in a beautiful way he kind of so. does that I think with vocations I think particularly to the religious life and the priesthood of we have passions in our lives and love for things and we have to kind of let go of a lot of that as we enter into the vocation and the Lord does end up bringing at least I've experienced that in mm-hmm. my life too like where he brings some of those things back and ways that you never would have imagined and it, it, it's from gifts and talents to things that you just really love in life mm-hmm. that the Lord blesses when you when you walk in his calling for your life mm-hmm. you know and I think whether that's a charism for music yeah. and music ministry or just something that brings life to you if you know for me it's the outdoors and the outdoor experiences like I had mm-hmm. to give that up as I went through seminary and even as I started priesthood and as like then they, then he's kind of like okay here, I'm going to bless you now with some of these beautiful opportunities to be in the outdoors, and That's so awesome. it's a it's a great experience. Yeah, to kind of ex- experience that that blessing in in our vocation. It makes me think of like Saint Francis with creation. That Saint Francis's love of creation came because God was giving. He was so detached <laughs> that now God could give him creation back in a way that he wasn't he wasn't abusing creation in his heart anymore you know like and because that's what most of us do we really don't know understand the beauty of creation because we make it an idol of some sort and uh but he does that with us he if we t- if he takes it away it's not because he's a bad father <laughs> maybe we need to he needs to purify our heart so that he can give it back and we can really enjoy it in a, in a, in a beautiful way, in a healthy way, in a redeemed way. And that's really anything in our lives, right? I mean, from friendships to, you know, the things that we love to whatever the case may be. Even our own vocation. Sometimes we can kind of take ownership of our own vocation a little bit too much. We direct it a little bit too mm-hmm. much. I know I've experienced that in my priesthood, you know, where, like, you try to direct it too much. And the Lord's going like, hey, would you give this to me so that I can, I can bless it and, and make it mm-hmm. what's in my heart? Amen. And it sounds like he's done that with your music. Yeah, it's it's been a a real um, a real journey, and yeah, I'm just grateful that he's been able to. For, fo- yeah. for folks who are coming down here tonight um, to the cathedral, and again, everybody is invited to Cathedral of Our Lady of the Rosary here in Duluth for a great evening. Uh, beautiful weather here, so make your way over. For those that co- are coming out, what, what can they expect from you on stage tonight, Father? We're gonna have fun. Do some do some covers, do some originals, also some new stuff. Uh, if anybody's heard my stuff before, some of the some of the stuff from my album we're playing tonight, and then uh, um, if you haven't heard my stuff, then it's all new. So come on out. <laughs> what would you uh, hope that people take away from this concert tonight um god speaks to us in a language we can understand 
and that God wants to speak to everyone's heart in a language that we can understand. And I feel like that's one of the things he's been able to help me with with music and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm able to do it is because I want to speak to people's hearts in a way they can understand translating the gospel to their own experience and uh, if there's one thing that would be it Father thanks for being with us we look forward to hearing you on stage tonight looking forward to it can't wait